Good morning. Good morning. And thanks, Sam, for updating us and letting us know what's going on. A ministry that we have uh, been invested in in uh, several different ways uh, there in Haiti and uh, a rough place. Appreciate you all continuing to minister and, and push through, even though it's difficult. Very challenging time to minister and serve. But thank you guys for helping in the work at Haiti. Several of us have been. I've been there six times in the past. And uh, so I definitely know uh, the feel for what's going on. Well, it's good to have you with us. We're continuing our study uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. Zach did an incredible job last week uh, talking about judging, or not judging, rather, uh, the importance of that. Today, we're going to be taking the next step uh, in this uh, incredible teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Let me ask you this. What does it take to motivate you? What does it take to motivate you to do something? Maybe it's somebody. urging you on, uh, nagging is a word that comes to mind a little bit there uh, sometime, or encouraging, maybe is a better word, supporting, I don't know, what it, whatever you call it, whatever, however you describe it. What does it take to really motivate you? Studies have been done that shows what works and what doesn't work. And one study looked at whether paying people to exercise would motivate them to work out more pay somebody to exercise. It did for about six months, and then the motivation stopped. Other studies have looked at whether it's best to be motivated internally or externally, and they discovered that external motivation was good for quantity, and internal motivation was better for quality. So what they learned was if you pay people to go to the gym, they'll go more often, but the quality of their workout was dependent upon an internal motivation like losing weight or maybe training for a race or something. So when it comes to motivation, we need both external motivation to get us started and internal motivation to keep us going and to make us stick with it. So if anybody wants to pay me to go to the gym, uh, I'm open. Not excited about it, but if you nag me enough, I might go, all right? All right. Well, let's apply that to our spiritual life there for a moment. How could Jesus motivate you to do something that would benefit you personally, spiritually, and the kingdom of God? How could Jesus motivate you and I? You know, we talked about the power of prayer a few weeks ago as we were looking at the Lord's Prayer. We touched on it a couple times. It's been a message on that uh, that topic. And today uh, in our study, Jesus is going to come back to the topic of prayer once again. And they ask us, what is our motivation to pray? We know that prayer is a good thing. We know that prayer is commanded. Jesus modeled it. He taught it to his disciples. But what is our motivation to pray? And so that is going to be answered by our scripture today in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one and to the one who knocks, a door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a, a, a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, I don't know where you might be personally in your prayer life. You might be a prayer warrior. You might be someone, I mean, the moment that you hear about a prayer need or when someone shares a need, uh, you just take a moment and pray with that person. Maybe that's what you're doing. Or maybe you're somebody who just prays rarely uh, or perhaps in a crisis. Or maybe you just have a, a rote prayer that you say every now and then around your food or in the evening or whatever it may be. But wherever you are in your prayer life, I want to challenge you to up your game a little bit today. 
I want to challenge you and maybe let you know why you should pray. And uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray, but, but I want to challenge you to just raise your commitment to prayer a little bit. In our study, we're going to discover why we should pray. There are three motivations that Jesus gives us here to pray. First of all, we should pray because God answers prayer. I think that's the key thought that's going to come uh, through all of this, is that God will answer our prayers. Now, the answer may not always be what you expect or what you're asking for, but the promise is made that God answers prayers. And every prayer that we pray will receive an answer. So that's a great motivation. Second motivation is that prayer brings God's action and response into the picture. The prayer invites God into your dilemma, into your situation, your need, whatever it may be. And this is the uh, kind of the idea that Jesus gives about asking, seeking, and knocking. And that is the fact that we need to pursue God. You know, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble sometime in life, and God will let us go our own way. Sometimes He'll let us just get stuck and just, you know, kind of soak in our problems. He will, if we choose to do so, but God is there waiting for us to come to Him and to seek Him and to invite Him in, in our circumstances. But we have to pursue Him and ask Him to do that. God wants us to be persistent. You know, like a little child when your kids are little uh, and they want something, if the mother's in the room, they're going to ask. If the mother's in the other room, they're going to go seek and try to find them. And if she's behind the door, they're going to knock. And you know where you usually are when your kid's knocking on the door, right? Trying to get your attention. And in the bathroom, usually, that's what I I understand. And so they're going to pursue the mother. They're going to go try to find them. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. We need to ask. We need to seek. And then we ought to knock. God knows what our need is, but he wants us to come to him and pursue him. And he may not act on our behalf unless we do so. Thirdly, our motivation is we should pray because God's answer will be good. The answer that he gives us will be good, good for us. It will be for our best. And Jesus uses the example here of a parent. He said, what parent, if their child comes and asks for a piece of bread, would give them uh, a stone? You know, who would do that? Kind of a mean parent. Or if you ask for uh, a fish, would give them a snake. So if you are a parent, human as you are, and you want to give good gifts to your children, then how much more so would our Heavenly Father want to give us good gifts? Because He has a love, a greater love than we have even for our children. And he also has more power. And so he's going to be willing to give whatever we ask for. So it pays to pray. And these are great motivations. So keep these in mind. The fact that God really cares. God wants to be a part of our life and wants to be a part of our dilemmas and our needs and situations. Now, knowing that, probably all of us, is not maybe not new information. If you've ever prayed in, your, in the past, I'm sure there are times when you felt like your prayers were not answered. And that can be a little disillusioning sometimes. If you feel like you're praying, you're obeying, and your prayers don't seem to be answered. Maybe you prayed for a job, but you're still unemployed. Or maybe you prayed for, to get well, a health issue, and, but still, you're still sick. Or maybe you prayed for a change in your marriage, and you've been doing that for some time, but, but the change really hasn't come. And maybe even more confusing, Because sometimes we don't know what God's will is in certain things, but more confusing, you prayed for someone to come to know the Lord, and that hasn't happened either. There's no movement, and you know, I know God wants that to happen. Why has that not happened when I've been praying for it? 
Maybe you felt like your prayers have been unanswered. And if you have, you're not the only one. I've felt that way at times, for sure. Felt like I knew what the obvious answer should be and what God should do and how he should move. But that doesn't always happen. And so if you've ever been in that place in line, remember that what you're feeling is just a feeling. It's a perception that you have. You feel like it has not been answered when the reality is that God has answered your prayer. God answers every prayer. But here's the problem. It isn't always what we want or what we think it should be. So we have in our mind the prayer, the answer God should give. But when the answer comes, you don't realize it because you're looking for something else. You know, God always promises to answer, but sometimes we may feel like that his answer really isn't an answer because it's not our answer, what we expected. So let's look at some of the possible answers that God may give us whenever we do pray to him. Sometimes God says no. God says no, and it might feel like that he didn't answer. This is what I asked for, and God didn't, he didn't come through on me uh, uh, for what I wanted, and so he didn't answer our prayers. But remember, whenever you pray, that you are talking to and requesting something from the God of the universe. You're not just asking a favor from someone who wants to do whatever they can to make you happy. This is the God of the universe, the one who made everything, the one who knows everything. And God knows what is best for us. And that God will answer accordingly to what is for our best good. Oftentimes we ask for things that are not in our best interest. And whenever we do, we may, may petition God, God, please do this. And God says, you know, that, that's not a good idea for you. And we might even know for the moment why it's not a good idea, but God knows down the line. And sometimes God, uh, God uh, doesn't feel like God is answering us at all, but God has answered in a way that is for our long-term good. I remember several years ago, Garth Brooks had a song that said, uh, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And it was all about a relationship that he thought he wanted God to make work, and it didn't. Looking back, he knew that was the best thing. God sees forward far beyond us. We don't, we don't know what the answer is or the best answer, we think, but God always had our best interest in mind. And whenever God knows that the answer we're seeking isn't the best, he will say no. You know, some of our prayer requests are just really well-intentioned, but, but they're kind of dumb when you think about it. And they're kind of selfish as well. Let me give you an example from the Bible. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, there's a story of a woman who was the mother of two of Jesus' disciples, uh, James and John. And she came to Jesus, and it was kind of a prayer request. She asked Jesus to put her sons on his right hand and left hand in his glory or in his coming kingdom. Remember, maybe you remember that. But Jesus knew what the future would hold. And Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking for. Now, what, are, what does that mean? Well, Jesus came to his highest place of honor when he was hanging on a cross. Do you think that's really what mom and mother wanted her sons to hang on either side of him? Probably not. But that was when he came into his kingdom and she didn't know what she was asking for. She didn't understand God's big plan, God's future plan, and oftentimes we don't either. Another time, James and John were with Jesus, and they were in a Samaritan village, and, and the villagers were not very welcoming to them. And so they said, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven and destroy this whole village? I mean, that sounds like a good idea maybe at the moment in their frustration, but remember they were called the sons of thunder. They had uh, high tempers, I believe. Uh, but that was not a very good prayer request. 
So it might seem to be the right thing or a wise thing or a reasonable thing at the moment, but, but when we pull back and see what God's doing, we know that's not the right thing. And you know, sometimes our prayer requests can be really sincere and they might make sense in the moment, but it's not God's will. Not God's will. Have you ever had your kids ask for something that you knew wasn't the best for them? That you knew wasn't the best for them? I, I was trying to think of an example with my kids. I couldn't. So I thought about when I was a kid, my neighbor had a mini bike. And uh, this was back in the Honda 50 days in 75. Maybe you remember those. And, and uh, so I really wanted a, a, a Honda mini bike. Even a little mini bike would have been fine. And my parents always said no. They said, you will hurt yourself for sure. And with my level of coordination, uh, I think they were right, you know? So they were like, that's just not a good idea for you. And they refused to do that. They did get me a horse. Uh, I fell off the horse as well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes our parents know best, right? But that's the whole idea that God knows what is best for us all the time. And whenever your, your parents say no, you might think that uh, they're being mean or they're being uncaring, but in reality, they just have a little more wisdom and if you were a parent and you knew what was best, you surely wouldn't give your child something you knew they would get hurt on or that would damage them. You know, I'm sure that some of our prayer requests to God are kind of short-sighted. I'm sure that they're well-meaning sometimes, but they're immature and they're self-serving or just wrong. I know that mine are. I know there are times they're just not the kind of things I should be asking for. There may be things that I want, but that doesn't mean they're the best for me. And so God has a greater concept of that, a bigger picture. But sometimes we pray for somebody who is suffering and someone who is sick and, uh, and their suffering doesn't stop or perhaps they pass away. And you say, well, how could that be the best thing? Are we asking for the best thing for them? How do we know that? And I would say that sometimes there is a, there's a, a limited awareness that we have. Sometimes there's a mystery surrounding God's answers to our prayers that his way is deeper than our way. And we can't always understand or we can't always justify God's answers to prayer. I think sometimes we feel like we're in a place where we have to justify God's answers to other people for the prayer that we pray together not being answered the way that we sought that. And we just don't know that, but we can know that what God does is right. And ultimately, we have to settle the whole thing by just trusting God. Now, I know that may seem like a cop-out in some ways. Just trust God, you know, because we don't know. But the reality is, it kind of all comes down to how you view God. How do you view God? It's the, it's the big picture that we have to look at. Either he's a good God or he's not a good God. And I can choose to, and I choose to believe that God is who he says he is. And that God is right and he never, he doesn't make mistakes and God can be trusted. Someone said this, they said, Nothing happens to you as a follower of Christ that does not first pass through the hands of a God who is wildly in love with you. That nothing happens to us that God doesn't know about or God doesn't allow to happen. So while we don't always understand God's answer or agree with it, while it doesn't make sense, we trust that God's doing exactly what he promises to do. My favorite scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we have to trust him that if we follow him, God's going to do what's best for us, even though we don't understand it all. Sometimes God says no, but no isn't the only answer that God gives that makes a, a prayer seem to be unanswered. Sometimes God says, not now, just wait, just wait. That's the hard part, isn't it? 
You know, we always think that we know what should happen and we know when things should happen, but only God knows the best timetable for our lives. Only God understands and sees what the moment holds and what the future should hold. And sometimes it's hard. 20 some odd years ago, uh, before we came to Versailles, we were in a ministry and we knew that God was moving us. It was so obvious that that was happening. We knew that it was going to happen. We just didn't know where. And we were praying. And because of the situation, we were kind of anxious. We kind of felt like our time there was done. And it took six months to get a clear answer. And, uh, and when you're in a, in a situation that you know is not healthy and you need to go, uh, it's hard. It's hard to be patient. Um, and, and, but there were other opportunities that came up, but after prayer, we knew that that wasn't what God's plan for us. And so we waited and we were impatient we prayed a lot and it was difficult. And at times hard to believe that God had a plan because we didn't see the plan unfolding, but God's plan for us were dependent on his plans for other people. And it took time and God, we don't see what God's doing in, in the meanwhile, God was preparing us, growing us. God was preparing the church here for our coming. And, and coming here has been one of the greatest things that ever happened uh, to our entire family. But we could have missed that if we had not trusted God and just waited on Him. Or we're trying to shortcut God, things could have been totally different for us. You see, God has information that you don't have, and God has reasons for His not yet's. Someone said his delays are not necessarily his denials. And that's why we are told that we have to be persistent in prayer. Maybe God's delays are a way to see if you will trust him, if you will wait on God, if you will just seek him and be patient and be persistent in your prayers. Now, of course, the, the other answer that God may give is the one we seek, right? That's the yes. That's what we're hoping that God does. And this is what we oftentimes expect from God. And God comes through. I will tell you, God comes through more times than you realize. And maybe sometimes you don't recognize that God has answered the prayer because the answer comes so naturally and so easily that we assume it would happen anyway. So instead of recognizing that God did something, we're like, oh, I knew it was going to happen that way. And we don't see that God may have moved mountains to actually make the, the, the unlikely become likely. We oftentimes miss the power and work of God in the answer. And when you know that God has answered a prayer and you see the answer, whatever it may be, make sure and thank him. In fact, it would be a good idea to thank God for his answer even before you receive it. As you pray, thank him as well because he has promised to answer that prayer. Now, while we're talking about answers to prayer, have you ever wondered if you're praying about the right thing? Have you ever wondered, am I, am I in aligned with what God wants? Have you ever wondered if my prayers are deep enough? I think sometimes our prayers are so shallow that um, you know, we don't see the power of God moving in those things because there might be a yes or no, do this for me or, or, or let me see that. That sometimes maybe we need to seek God more, that our prayers should be more of a challenge to know him better than just to get something from him, right? Uh, in, in the writer, the writer in Psalm chapter 42 says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where, where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So the author here is hungering for a word from God. He wants to hear from God. 
He feels like God is, uh, that, that he's not connected with God, and people are being skeptical, and they're asking him, where is your God? And so he's calling on God out of uh, the midst of pain and grief and confusion, and he's seeking him. And then he goes on to say later in the psalm, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, the language is kind of flowery there, but basically he comes to realize that there is no silence from God that God is speaking, God's speaking in deeper ways than just answering a very simple prayer there. What God is saying is not going to be heard with the ears, but it's going to be heard with the heart. And that phrase he says, deep calls to deep. Sometimes our prayers are not very deep, are they? Sometimes they're just superficial prayers, very simple, basic prayers, and we're not seeking God. We can only find that depth that the psalmist is talking about here in prayer for truly seeking after God. And that takes, that takes time and, uh, and commitment and depth in our prayer life. And we only seek God like that when we're kind of desperate for Him, when we're at a place where, where we don't have any resources on our own. Easy answers are not what we're looking for. Easy answers are not going to satisfy us. And it's a time of truly seeking and knowing God in a way that we will never know Him otherwise. And the Scripture calls that deep seeking or deep uh, calling out to deep. Well, so far we've only talked about the prayer, but sometimes the prayer, the problem isn't with the prayer, it's with the prayer, right? Sometimes when the answer doesn't seem to be coming, it's not just what we say, it's with us ourselves. What if there's something in our lives that's actually blocking the flow of prayer to God and blocking God answer, God's answer? Does that actually happen? When we live in a, pla a, a place in relationship with God that we've made choices of the way we're living and attitudes that we have and lifestyles that we've embraced that have set up a barrier between us and God, we literally can block the answer of God. We oftentimes think that the reason our prayers aren't answered is God's fault. But in reality, sometimes it may actually be our fault. It could be on our end. And so we have to be honest and look at ourselves. So what are some of the prayer blockers or the prayer busters that we need to look at and, uh, and correct before God will hear our prayers? Because the Bible does speak to that. Let's look at a couple of them. One of them is unconfessed sin. In Isaiah chapter 59, the writer says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So is there a time and a place when God won't hear our prayers? Isaiah says, yes, our, our sins have separated us from God. That unconfessed and unrepented sin can block or cut off our communication with God, and God will not hear our prayers. It's kind of whenever we fall away from God that God isn't obligated to keep that promise because we've broken our promise with Him. He won't hear us because our sin says that we don't know Him or we don't obey Him, and yet we want Him, everything from him to help us, but we give nothing back to him. So unconfessed and unrepentant sin will do that. Now, it doesn't mean here that you have to be perfect or sinless to have your prayers answered. But what he's talking about here is about areas of open and willful rebellion, areas where we know that we're wrong, your sin is blatant, you know it, and you don't care. And sometimes we live in that, don't we? 
I mean, I've had people say to me, well, you know, God's just going to have to understand and let this go. Or I know what God says, but, and I always want to stop them right there. Anything that follows the word, but is not going to be good. All right. But we can, maybe we don't verbalize that, but in our mind, we think that God understands this. God, God's okay with this, but that's a place of blatant sin and unrepentant sin. And that's really arrogant. And God will not be mocked. Psalm chapter 66 says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And Isaiah 1, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. So if you're living in a way that you know is wrong with unconfessed sin, and unrepentant sin in your life, then don't waste your breath praying unless the first prayer you pray is a prayer of confession and repentance. The Bible is really clear about that. So unconfessed, unrepentant sin. The second prayer buster is unresolved uh, relational conflict. In Matthew chapter 5, we read this a few weeks ago, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. So the Bible tells us that we can, if we're in conflict with other people, and we are not willing to resolve that to forgive them or seek forgiveness then that can block our communication and our worship with God. And so we need to deal with that. You can't truly worship God if your relationship with other people is wrong. The Apostle Peter gets even more specific about a, an area that, uh, that husbands or wives can have, and that is with one another. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers." So if our marriages, if we're struggling and we're unforgiving and we're harsh, treating each other horribly, then that can hinder our prayers. It can block God's answer to our prayers. So what he's saying is get the horizontal right, the other issues resolved before you can truly deal with the vertical issue with God, before you can worship him. And then the third thing that seems to be a prayer blocker, very practical, is selfishness. James chapter 4 says this, when you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Have you ever prayed and asked God to bless you or to give you money or to win the lottery? You know, when it gets up in the billions of dollars and you say, God, you know, I could really do a lot of good with this money. You know, I could solve the world problems and, you know, I would give and pay off the church. I would do all these great things with God. Not that I've ever done that personally or anything. Um, but have you ever done that? And God says, you know what? I see how you live right now. I see how you give. I see how, you know, what you do with life. More is not going to help you because that's not the issue. The, the amount is not more. You're just being selfish. And God doesn't, isn't obligated to answer selfish prayers. If you're not giving to Jesus now, you're probably not going to give more if you're rich. If you're not influencing other people for Jesus right now, then you're probably not going to be influencing them with a bigger platform, you know? You're not going to do more for God if you're not doing anything for God right now. And so if your prayers are just for yourself, then don't expect God to feel obligated to answer those prayers. God knows our hearts. He knows where we are, and that doesn't change with more. 
Selfishness is a horrible reason to pray. But let me just say this as we wrap up. Prayer is an amazing blessing, and there are lots of ways that God answers our prayers. There's answers that we don't understand. There are things that God says no for our good. There are some things that we, uh, some ways that we can sabotage our own prayers, some things that we need to correct, you know, we just need to be honest with God. But having said all of that, Jesus said that we should pray. And here's why, a recap. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It's an amazing promise and it's one that we neglect. Is there anything more neglected in our life, our, our spiritual lives than prayer? Probably not. For most of us, we, we don't use this resource, this incredible blessing and you can do it anytime, anywhere, any moment, any reason. And not only to ask for God, but to seek God. Because when we seek him, he promises, you're going to find me. I'm going to be available. I'm going to show up in your life. And that's what God wants for us. And I want to challenge you to think about not only upping your prayer life, but maybe taking your next step on your spiritual journey. Our mission as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And we want to help you do that wherever you may be. If you're here and you're not a believer yet, you haven't given your life to Christ, you haven't crossed that line of faith, we would love to, to talk to you about that. You know, maybe you believe in Jesus, but you've not solidified that <clears throat> by being obedient to him in baptism. And, and we'd love to do that. In fact, we always kind of make Easter Sunday a big day for baptisms. And if you have not been baptized or you want to talk about that, uh, we would love to do that and kind of, I would encourage you if it's one of those things that you've said, I'm going to do someday, say, I'm going to do it that day. I'm going to do it that day and, and just start aiming toward that. Next week, we're going to be offering a time to discuss that uh, following the second service. We invite you to do that. But I just really want to encourage you to think about upping your game, taking your next step on your journey toward Jesus Christ. You know, we've talked about prayer and there's no way to end this better than than to pray and to invite you to come and pray. And so uh, we're going to make this open up front like we always do. I'll be here. Tony will step up. I think uh, maybe Gracie will be available just to come and, and pray if you want to share with her. But this is the time for us to seek him faithfully. And so we invite you to do so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and your teaching on prayer. Father, how, how wonderful it is to know that, that you are waiting to hear from us. That, God, you're like a good parent that longs for their child to come and ask for, for good things. And, God, you have the ability to, to provide those things in every case. Father, thank you for your promise, the promise of answered prayer. Help us to never doubt that you care and that you can't answer and that you're waiting for us, Lord. And, God, I pray that all of us, as we seek you, we would find you. And that, Lord, we would pursue you, not just for our own prayers, but more importantly, to know you, deep calling for deep, Lord, and that through our seeking, we would know you in a deeper and greater way. Lord, I pray for all those who are believers today. God, you would just challenge us with this teaching, but Father, I pray specifically for those who have not yet given their life to Christ, that they would, would seek you in that way and be willing, willing to surrender all to you. So Lord, as we come now to, to close out our time, uh, we thank you for your love for us and your commitment and your promises to answer prayer. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.